0: Died for us. Amen. And uh, don't have to wait till you get better. Matter of fact, you can't get better. Just come to Him just as you are. And He'll take you. And He'll save you. And He'll change you. And He'll put peace and joy and hope where turmoil and unhappiness used to reign. And uh, he'll reign, amen, yeah. in your hearts. Well, we're going to go to Isaiah chapter 6 tonight. And the Lord has finally given me liberty to finish the message I started all the way back on Sunday morning. And so I was uh, I was starting to despair. I thought, well, the Lord's not even going to let me finish this message. Uh, but... The Lord, I believe, would have us here tonight. We started this week, and I I believe it's very fitting that uh, we go back to where we started at the end of the meeting. When we uh, first began the meeting under the tent, we looked in Isaiah chapter 5, and all the woes upon the land of Israel because they had turned away from the Lord. We saw how many of those judgments are, I believe, being mirrored in our land today because of the same reason that they came upon Israel. They have despised the word of the Lord, and they have esteemed His word as nothing. And listen, friend, when you reject the word of God, the only thing left is destruction. When you reject the word of God, the only thing left is destruction. And to you young people, I want you to understand this. This is not an old person's book. This is not a book for, for uh, just the religious. This is a book for everybody. Because the one who wrote it created everybody. And uh, you know what's you know, really sad? You see people go through life searching for happiness and fulfillment and never finding it because they're looking in all the wrong places. And they think they can bring happiness to themselves and uh, you are not built for yourself. You were built for him. And the only way you'll ever bring fulfillment to your life and purpose is when you live for him. And so we looked at this, we looked at how judgment is coming upon the land. But we ended with a message of hope from Isaiah chapter 6. And even in the midst of trouble, the Lord still showed up. And I believe the Lord has showed up this week. I believe He's done what only He can do. And I believe He's shown Himself mighty, certainly in the lives of the souls who were saved this week their eternal destiny was changed this week. But I believe as well, he's shown up to us as his people and he's done some work in us that will be eternal and lasting. And so we saw that the Lord still can show up even in the midst of trouble. But I want us to see tonight, as we close out the meeting, what will happen when you truly see the Lord, And so we're going to look in Isaiah chapter 6. I gave you lots of time to find it. So stand with me if you're able. We will read the first eight verses of this chapter. Isaiah chapter 6, beginning in verse number 1. The Bible says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And One cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips." For mine eyes have seen the Lord, or the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth, and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. Heavenly Father, thank you for your precious word tonight. Thank you for this, an opportunity, another opportunity to gather under the old gospel tent to preach the word of God, to hear the word of God preached, to feel the presence of God, and to have the Holy Spirit of God work in our hearts. And Lord, we come before you just as needy as we were Sunday. Lord, we need you to speak to us again. Father, we need the fire from heaven to fall upon us and stir our souls. Lord, we need you to give us understanding of your word, that we would know what it means to truly see you and know what it means, what will take place when we truly see you. Lord, we want to see you tonight high and lifted up. We want to see your glory, your train fill the temple. These temples that we live in, we are the temple of the living God. And Lord, we want your glory to fill these temples tonight. Lord, we know that there's not just a a switch that we can flip to make this happen. This has to be an act of an almighty God, divine and supernatural. And so God, I pray that you would do that in and amongst us tonight. For those who may be here tonight who are unsaved, Father, I pray that you would cause them to truly see you. That they would see their need, that they would see the Lord Jesus, that they'd be born again, they'd be purged, they'd be cleansed. Lord, I pray as your people that we would desire to be clean vessels that you can use fit for your use. Father, we pray that in all things, Jesus Christ will be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. If I can get a bottle of water, please. In this passage, we know that Isaiah is in a very low time in his life. Thank you, Brother Earl. He's in a low time in his life because, number one, because of the state of his nation. But number two, because he has just lost, and the nation has just lost, a godly leader. Uzziah the king, the Bible says he died. Now Uzziah was a godly king. He had made mistakes. He'd been wrong, just like we all have. But he loved the Lord. He not only was a good king, he also was a friend of Isaiah's. Isaiah had a very uh, lengthy ministry. He ministered to five. He prophesied during the kingship of five kings of the nation of Judah. Isaiah was also part of the royal line. Uzziah was his friend, Uzziah was family, and now Uzziah is dead. And so Uzziah is off the scene, the nation's in a mess, and Isaiah doesn't know what to do until God shows up. One thing he knows for certain, God is still on the throne, and God's still in control. And it's good to know that in these perilous times, which we live in, God is still God, He's still on the throne, He's still all-powerful, there's nothing that's happening that's taking Him by surprise, and uh, He's at work. And I'm thankful, on top of that, not only did He know that God was in control, but because of what transpires in, in chapter 6, He knows that God is still interested and he's still interested in Isaiah's life. He's still at work. He's not a god who is afar off. He is a god who is near. And thank God, our God today, though he may seem far away, he is not far away. He's very nigh unto us. The Bible says, he's a god who is near. He's a god who is powerful. He's a god who can do miracles still today. Amen. Don't let that make you nervous. Don't get nervous because we still believe in a miracle working God. Amen. I'm a Baptist, but I still believe in a miracle working God. If I didn't believe that, I would stop preaching because salvation is a miracle. You say, well, we don't see any, any miracles anymore. We've seen six of them this week. At least. Amen. And so God is still God, he's still powerful, and he's still involved. And here he shows himself to the prophet. Don't you know that was a welcome sight for Isaiah in some respects to know that the Lord hadn't left, even though Uzziah had left. Listen, I don't know if you've noticed or not, but we've got an election coming up this year. And it's a very important election. It's a very pivotal election in the life of our nation. Let me tell you something. and I have a specific desire for who gets elected. Amen. Amen. It doesn't matter who was on the throne in Israel, and it doesn't matter who occupies the White House, in the United States that doesn't change the fact that God is still on the throne in heaven and that he's still at work among us and he can still show up he can still show himself he still is our only hope in the US or Canada or anywhere else in this world and we need to see him people get excited I heard a few months back that the president visited Maine. Did anybody go to see him? Anybody here tonight? I think he was in Guilford, Maine, which is pretty close to Dover. So some of the people up there in Dover, they went to see him. And they were excited to see him. I would have been excited to see him. He's the president of the greatest nation in the world. Amen? But I'd much rather see him. I'd much rather see the Lord. I'd much rather see Him. And the Lord shows up here, and I want us to see four things tonight about when you truly see the Lord. How do you know? How do you know when God shows up? Because we can't see Him with these eyes, right? How do we know when God shows up and what will happen when God shows up? Number one, we will see when you truly see the Lord, you will see that He is holy. That He is holy. As the Lord enters into the temple, the Bible says that He's there sitting upon a throne. And above the throne are the seraphims. Seraphims are angelic beings that surround His throne and they worship Him day and night and uh, they never cease to worship Him. And look what they say. They say, they cry one to another, Holy, Holy, Holy. They say, well, wouldn't it have been enough if they'd said it once? Well, God is in three persons. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and He is a thrice holy person. God. When you see the Lord, you will see His holiness. There's much that's being portrayed as being the work of God these days, but it lacks true holiness. And anything without the signature of holiness upon it is not the signature of God. Doesn't matter you call it a church, it doesn't matter if you call it worship, if you're if you if it's if it has the signature of flesh, it's not God. It's not the manifestation of God because God is holy. God is pure. I looked up the word holy because it's one of those words we all know except we don't know it. <laughs> Amen. Holy means properly in its proper sense, it means whole. W-H-O-L-E, entire or perfect in a moral sense. So holiness is when someone is completely perfect in a moral sense. It is purity. It is lacking nothing. It is whole in its holiness. There's nothing missing. So when you see God, and when you read His Word, we can know that He is holy, that His Word is holy. That means God is lacking nothing, and His Word is lacking nothing. Now, why is that important? Because we do lack, and our Word lacks, and our world lacks, And what we lack, God can fill. That's why it says here that His train filled the temple. The Bible says as believers that our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. You know, that that temple was was a beautiful place. It was a place that was set apart for the worship of God. But that temple was nothing without the filling of God. It was powerless. It was just—it was just materials put together, and that's exactly what we are. Without the filling of God's Spirit, we're just materials put together. We're empty. We're powerless. We're nothing. We need Him. We need His fullness for our emptiness. We need His purity for our impurity. When you truly see the Lord, you will see that he is holy. Look at these seraphims. Each one of them had six wings. Well, what do they need six wings? Well, the Bible says, well, obviously, at the end of the verse, it says, with two of the wings they flew. That's usually what you think of when you think of wings. Use them to fly, but that's not all. With twain, they covered their face. And with twain, they covered their feet. They covered their face because they were not, even as angelic beings created by God, they were still not worthy to look upon the holy God. You say, why did they cover their feet? Well, listen, in, in our walk of life, yeah, we, we get dirty. Our feet get dirty, don't they? We're out I'm sure you'll see the idea of washing feet is getting clean before God because our feet come in contact with this cursed world we get dirt on them and just the fact that we go through this world we get dirty it speaks of impurity and so they were not worthy to look they were not worthy to show their impurity or their nakedness before God and so they were covered why because God is holy Holy, holy. It grieves me to hear so many speak of our God as if he's like one of us. You know what he said to the psalmist? In Psalm 50 verse 23, they said this, Thou thoughtest that I was altogether like unto thee. That's where they made the mistake. They thought mankind thinks that God is like Him. That's why we say things like, he understands. Come on. He understands. But that doesn't mean He agrees. He is holy. He is so holy that there's no way we can reach Him on our own. When you truly see God, the God of the Bible is a God of holiness. Doesn't matter what he's being peddled as in these days. I don't care if Don Lamont says that Jesus wasn't perfect, Jesus was perfect. You say, Who is Don Lamont? Count your blessings you don't know. Read something today, the AOC said that Jesus was a. Com- Man, what blasphemy. What blasphemy. He's holy. He knew no sin. He was holy and harmless and separate from sinners. That is, he was in his own category. All of sinned and come short of the glory of God, but Christ knew no sin. Neither was guile found in his mouth. He was holy, holy, holy truly see God, you'll see that He is holy. When you see that He is holy, number two, you know what you'll see? That you are unholy. Look what it says in verse 4. It says, The posts of the door moved at the voice of Him that cried. The house was filled with smoke. Why? It was moved because of the holiness of God, but that's not the only thing that moved. Isaiah was moved. What did he say? Verse 5, Then said I, Woe is me. As we pointed out Sunday morning, there were six woes mentioned in in Isaiah chapter 5, and it was woe unto them, 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 woe unto them. But when Isaiah saw God, he said, Woe is me. Real revival takes place when you stop looking at the evil around you and you start looking at the evil within you and you realize how much... You, listen, you know they need God, but when you'll have revival when you see how much you need God. When you see how holy He is, it'll bring out the unholiness in you so that you can see that you are everything that he is not, and he is everything that you are not. This is what he says, Woe is me, for I am undone. I'm undone. What does that mean? It means you're not finished. Right? Something's not done... It's not finished. There's something lacking. And Isaiah, as he looks at God, he realizes that he is lacking true holiness. Not just the outward Everyone that looked at Isaiah, he was already a prophet of God before this. He was already a good man before this in the eyes of, of those around him but now he's seeing God for who he is and he's realizing how unholy he is. And he says, I am undone. I'm not a finished product. Can I get a witness tonight? I'm not a finished product, but the closer I get to God, the more I want to be like him. The closer I get to Jesus and the more I see His holiness and the more I see His truth, the more I see His righteousness, the more I see His love and His compassion and His servanthood, the more I want to be like Him. I worry about Christians that don't want to be like Jesus. I worry about them. One thing for sure, they're not getting a good look at the Lord. Because if you got a good look at the Lord, you'd get a proper look at you. You know the Bible says about itself? It is a mirror. That is, when you look into this book, it looks into you. That'll bring a woe out of you. Woe is me, for I am undone. Watch what he says because I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Know what he said? He said, Lord, by by virtue of you showing up and revealing yourself to me, it has brought something to the forefront in my life that I need to confess to you. And Isaiah makes a specific confession to God. The commentators, amen, which means they're just average potatoes, they'll say it's fun to read after him sometimes. They all want to figure out, what does he mean by I'm a man of unclean lips? Well, I think he means that he's a man of unclean lips. <laughs> What's the figure here? There's no figure. There is a specific confession before God. And it's very, very um, very important that we see, make the connection. Here's, here's Isaiah. He is a prophet. I was talking with Elijah earlier this week and I started calling him Elijah the prophet because that's, you know, that's who Elijah was. He was a prophet. So we got talking. I said, do you know what the word prophet means? And he told me what a prophet was and you you nailed it, Elijah. But the word prophet itself means mouth. Mouth. You know why? Because the prophets were to be the mouthpiece of God. And here's Isaiah, the mouthpiece of God, saying to God, I know what I'm supposed to say, I know what you've called me to say, I know what these lips are supposed to be. And Lord, they're unclean. They're not what they should be. I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell among a people of unclean lips. We're the people of God. We agreed way back in the at, when you gave the law that all that the Lord tells us to do, we will do. We agreed to abide by this law and we've turned our back against your law. And we walked away from the commandments. We're a people of unclean lips. Now, look what else he says. The woe upon him declared in verse 5. He says, for mine eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Look with me, if you will. Turn to Exodus. Exodus. Thought I wrote the passage down, but I apparently did not. Look at Exodus, I believe it's chapter 33. He's not only speaking of a woe because of the condition that he's in before the Lord. but he's also in trouble right here. In verse number 19, well, verse 18 of Exodus 33, Moses is talking to the Lord, and he says this, and he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. Now look what the Lord says to him, among other things, he speaks to him in verse 19, but look at verse 20, and he said, thou canst not see my, what? Face, for there shall no man see me and live. You know what he's saying? You know what Isaiah realized? I'm in trouble here. Not only am I a man of unclean lips, but I have seen the Lord now. Can I say this? It's a serious thing when God shows up. It's not something to play with when God reveals himself to us. It can be a life or death situation. You say, what do you mean? Well, he saw the face of God. And if there had been no intervention, Isaiah would have died. Now watch what happens. Look, at, uh, look, look back in our passage. Look at verse number 6. Then flew one of the seraphims unto unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Had this not taken place, Isaiah would have died. Look at, look at Leviticus chapter 16. Hold your place there in Isaiah. Look at Leviticus chapter 16. See, the Bible tells us in Habakkuk one thirteen that the Lord is of purer eyes than to behold iniquity. So the Lord is so holy that he cannot look upon sinful man. And yet sinful man is so unholy that he cannot look upon God and live. Look at Leviticus. Leviticus, what did I tell you? 16. And verse number... 12, Leviticus 16, look at verse 12. And he shall take a censer, that is Aaron, the high priest, shall take a censer full of burning coals of fire from off the altar before the Lord, and his hands full of sweet incense, beaten small, and bring it within the veil. And he shall put the incense upon the fire before the Lord, that the cloud of the incense may cover the mercy seat that is upon the testimony. Why? That he, what? That he die not. You see, even back uh, in the law, God had established a pattern to take care of those who looked upon God. That mercy seat within the Holy of Holies, nobody else could see it. It was there. When they traveled, it was covered. Nobody looked upon that mercy seat because it was holy, holy, holy. They couldn't look upon and live. Uh, Matter of fact, uh, in in Judges chapter 6, I believe it is, 70,000 men of Israel died because they looked in the ark. Why? Because they were not holy. And God was holy. They couldn't view them, but look here that there's provision made for us to be able to look to God. Hallelujah. There's provision made. Here, Aaron, the Bible says he was to take a censer full of burning coals of fire from off the altar. Isaiah 6, what happened? They took a coal from off of the altar. What takes place on an altar? A sacrifice. that sacrifice was consumed upon that altar. And with the the remnants of that sacrifice that was made, he could bring some sweet incense, beaten very small, a picture of humility, and lay that incense upon the fire, the coal. You know, the Bible calls the Lord, it calls him the rock. And if you cast yourself upon him, you'll have mercy. Now, if you don't cast yourself upon him, he'll grind you to powder. In casting yourself upon that rock, you'll but things broken can be fixed. And here's Isaiah. You know what he's doing? He's casting himself upon the mercy of God, and he's broken over his condition that he is unholy, but God makes provision by taking that live coal off that altar, the sacrifice that had been made so that Isaiah wouldn't have to die. And he brings it over and he touches his lips with that hot coal. Why did he touch his lips? Because that's where his problem was. I'm a man of unclean lips. and God touches his lips with that coal the altar. Now, normally, that would burn and consume. But this is not a normal encounter. Naturally, this would destroy. But this is a supernatural encounter. And because Isaiah is broken before God, his condition, about his condition before God, when that live coal touches him, instead of destroying It delivers. It brings healing. It brings purging. Now you know what? There's others in the scripture where God sent down fire from heaven and destroyed them. Didn't deliver them, destroyed them. So why are some delivered and some destroyed? It depends on the condition of the heart. Those who were destroyed were standing in defiance against a holy God. and God, in His holiness and in His justice, destroyed them. But Isaiah is broken concerning his condition. And when the fire comes his way, instead of destroying him, it delivers him. He said, your iniquity is cleansed, your sin is purged. And this is the third thing I want us to see. When you truly see the Lord, you'll see that He is holy. You'll see that you are not, but you'll see that He can make you holy. He can make you holy. He can take a crooked stick and make it straight. He can take a broken thing and fix it. He can take a a dirty thing and wash it. Hallelujah. And there are many testimonies of that under the tent tonight. You know because you were dirty, you were crooked, you were broken. And you came to the Lord and by His saving grace, He changed your life. He can make you holy. Nobody can make a clean thing out of unclean thing except God. Thank God for his mercy. He has mercy on those who will humble themselves. If you'll humble yourself here tonight, if you're a lost sinner here tonight, if you'll humble yourself, he'll cleanse you. He'll save you. And Christian, maybe you're here tonight and you need to see the Lord as well. If you'll humble yourself, he'll show himself mighty on your behalf. He'll cleanse you. He'll strengthen you. But there's something else I want to see before we go tonight. The fourth thing, not only will we see that He is holy, that we are unholy, that He can make us holy, but look what He can do. In verse 8 it says, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I. Send me. Look at verse 9. And He said, Go. You know what the Lord can do? You truly see the Lord? He can make, he can cause you and use you to do a holy work for him. Isn't it amazing that God could use us to accomplish holiness? It's all him. You know what he's looking for? He's just looking for a vessel. He said, Who's going to go for us? Whom shall we send? the call is going out, I've got a job to be done, who's going to do it? And Isaiah said, I'm here, I'll go. And the Lord doesn't say, well, let me look at your qualifications. Where'd you go to Bible school? Who did you study under? I'm not against all that stuff, but you don't need all that stuff. You need Him. You know who Isaiah studied under? God. You know who prepared Isaiah for ministry? God. That's the number one requirement. Now notice, God didn't call Isaiah till He cleansed him. And God didn't cleanse him until He confessed. But when Isaiah confessed his need of the Lord and the Lord cleansed him, the Lord called him and he sent him. Now if you read down through here, it doesn't look like it's going to be much of a ministry. (laughs) Look at it. Look what it says, verse 9. He said, Go and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not. And see ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat and make their ears heavy and shut their eyes lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and convert and be healed. Then said I, right, Lord, how long? <laughs> Come on, you'd be asking the same thing, right? Well, here's the ministry I want for you. I want you to go preach, but nobody's going to listen. Wow. Wow. Well, that doesn't sound very exciting at all. Well, what's the problem? Well, their heart is going to get fat. Their eyes are getting, are, 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 are getting dim. Their ears are getting dull. They're not listening because they're so full of prosperity, they're not going to listen to your, your message. <laughs> and Isaiah says, how long is that going to be? He answered, until the cities be wasted without inhabitant, and the houses without man, and the land be utterly desolate. You know what he's saying? Until there's no one else to preach to. Just preach the truth until there's no one else to preach to. Just preach until there's no one else to preach to. Now look what he says further down. He he says in verse number 13, he says, but yet in it shall be a tenth. So what's that? That's 10%. You know it as Baptists. You know it as the tithe. Amen? Tithe is 10%. You know what he said? Listen, I I said the the majority of people are not going to listen, but there will be a remnant. There will be some. And our, our world in which we live, the majority of people do not care about God. They don't care what God has to say. They don't care what God's Word has to say. They're not moved by the cross. They're not moved by the resurrection. But there are some, there are some who will still hear the old, old story of Jesus and His glory. And so our job is not to figure out how many are going to come or how many are not going to come. Our job is to just go and to preach and to tell and to cast that gospel net and to keep showing people the love of Christ. And we're going to see some come. The majority probably won't, but some will come. And let's be faithful until the Lord calls us home. You talk about needing a revival. Here's one area we need a revival in: of just doing what God says because it's right. Well, you know what works? Does this work? Does that work? Does it, and I'm not, I'm not against that. But listen, whether it works or not, if God says do it, we're doing it. Come on. A lot of people, they, they've, they've, they've become, they've become results-oriented instead of righteousness-oriented. And we need to just get back to doing what is right because God said so, whether it works out on paper or not. Because we serve the God of the impossible. And your figner, figures probably won't add up, but God's still at work. I'll tell you one thing. My figures don't add up very, very often And what I'm doing. Amen. So how do you do this? How do you do that with 11 kids? And how do you do that with a great big bus? And how do you, know, how do you, I don't do it. He does it. That's not my job to worry about how the, how the ends are going to meet and if the numbers match up. That's his job. What He's called us to do, we need to be faithful to do, and let Him take care of the rest. Let Him take care of the results. Just be faithful. Why? Because God has chosen us to do a holy work. He's called us to be the bearers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's called us to be His ambassadors. We are representing His Son to the world. What an honor. What a privilege. David Livingston said this, the great missionary to Africa. He said this. He said if a commission from an earthly king is an honor, why is a commission from our heavenly king a sacrifice? God, it is an honor to serve Him. That He would call us, that He would use us, that He would equip us to do a holy work. You say, well, that's you. God's called you to do something. God's called you to do something. Each and every one of them. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ, He's got a job for you to do. He's got a calling for your life and it's a heavenly calling and it's just as important as the evangelist's calling or the pastor's calling or the deacon's calling. It's just as important because it's God's will for your life. I pray that these meetings have lit a fire in your heart to be about the Father's business. Isaiah, the result of seeing the Lord, the Lord is holy. We on our own are not holy. But through the sacrifice of His Son, He can make us holy and use us to do a holy work. A holy work. Don't think that your calling is not important. Little as much when God is in it. Just be faithful. Just be faithful. You sang my favorite hymn tonight. Great is thy faithfulness. My favorite hymn. That last verse, I'm telling you. That last verse, if you can't preach anything else, you can preach the last verse of great is thy faithfulness. Pardon for sin and a peace that endureth. Thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide. Strength for today, that's power. Bright hope for tomorrow, that's promise. Blessings all mine with 10,000 beside. That's his provision. He is faithful and what he's called us to do, he will equip us to do. He'll use us in a great way. Some of you were Andrews this week. So, what's that mean? You brought your friends and your loved ones to Christ, they got saved. Some of you entered into the secret place to pray. And God, listen. You, you bear the blessing of those souls being saved just as much as the preacher who preached or the pastor who hosted the meeting because we are laborers together. Why don't you just determine tonight, Lord, I know I'm nothing. I'm unworthy. I'm unholy. But Lord, you are holy and I believe that you can cleanse me And you can use me to do a holy work. And tonight, Lord, I'm just saying to you once again I am yours. Use me, fill me, cleanse me, empower me, so that I can be a vessel fit for the Master's use. Heavenly Father, Thank you for what you've done this week. And Lord, we look to you to continue what you've begun in our hearts this week in the days to come, in the weeks and months and even years. Lord, we're looking forward to you coming back and we would love if you came back tonight. But God, until that trumpet sounds, we have a calling upon our lives as believers. Help us to be about the master's bidding, the father's business. And Lord, maybe there's someone here tonight, maybe they're just seeing for the first time how holy you are. And how unholy they are. And they're realizing that they have never been made holy. By the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord I pray that you would draw them. By your spirit. Save them by your grace. Change them by your power. And Lord if there's Christians here tonight. And there's something specific in their lives. That they know is hindering them from fulfilling that calling that you placed upon them, Lord, I pray that they would be specific in their confession. Lord, I believe we see from Isaiah's life that when we are specific in our confession, you will be specific in your cleansing. And so, Lord, whatever the need of every heart is tonight, Lord, I pray that they come to you to get it taken care of. In Jesus' name I pray. As the piano plays, the altars open.